This episode of the AT Tips Cast is sponsored by Text Help. Kids struggling with reading and writing? Get them the support they need with read and write software for the desktop, Google, or iPad. These proven software solutions help those with reading and writing difficulties, learning disabilities, or English language learners. Read and Write Gold text to speech software provides tools for reading, writing, studying, and research for students while they work within the common applications they use every day. Read and Write for Google provides support tools for Google Docs, PDFs, and EPUBs in Chrome, on PCs, Macs, and Chromebooks to make Google Apps for Education accessible. And iRead&Write makes reading easier and ensures accurate writing as students use their iPad for school, work, or leisure. Learn how the Read&Write family of products can help your struggling student by visiting texthelp.com or by calling 1-888-248-0652. That's 1-888-248-0652. Get a free trial of Read&Write Gold or Read&Write for Google today. Have students with IEPs? Take advantage of the Read and Write Gold IEP Special. Get 20% off a purchase of their online store with the code ATTIPS14SAVE20. That's ATTIPS, the numeral 14, SAVE, and the numeral 20. That's right. They've increased it from 10% to 20% off. This offer expires on June 30th, 2014. Get your copy today. Welcome to the AT Tips Cast, where we examine new ways for educators to provide more options for students. I'm your host, Chris Bougay. This is episode 133, recorded on April 11, 2014. This episode continues our look at providing accessible instructional materials to all students by sharing a few practical, real-life stories. In the previous two episodes, we looked at an example based on a student in an elementary school, and then in an example from a situation in a secondary school. Both of those stories featured happy endings, where everything worked out with the implementation of a few simple tools. In this third installment, we're going to take a closer look at a story that has a less-than-happy ending. Don't worry, the student in the story still got access to what he needed in order to guarantee him a free, appropriate public education, but the road to providing the materials in an accessible format was U-G-L-Y. Ugly. Still, there's some lessons and takeaways from this story that might benefit every educator and student. So, even though it's fraught with peril, horror, and tragedy, here's story number three. I was working with a team who was working with a student in second grade. This student was blind and learning to use Braille, and almost entirely served in an inclusion setting with his peers in the general education classroom. The student had access to a Braille note-taking device and screen-reading software for activities at the computer. The student also had a classroom assistant who had access to a laptop paired with a portable scanner. Also, in the building, there was a Braille embosser. At the beginning of the year, the student was provided with Braille versions of the textbooks. Of course, like many other contemporary educators, the teacher didn't really rely on the textbook as her primary source of content delivery. She used materials from different sources to practice and reinforce various concepts. 
It was the responsibility of the classroom assistant to determine the best way to adapt the materials to produce a Braille version of the content. If the teacher was working from the textbook, no sweat. The assistant guided the student to use the Braille version of the book. If the teacher used something she made digitally, the classroom assistant would take a copy of that material and then, using transcription software, convert it into a Braille format, either embossed, provided digitally on the note-taking device, or to be accessed on the computer. If the teacher used an old worksheet where there wasn't a digital format available, the classroom assistant would assess the worksheet and decide if she thought it would be faster to retype the document using the laptop or to scan the document, running it through optical character recognition software and then checking it over or editing the document for errors before converting it to Braille. For most activities, this worked pretty well and materials were provided in a timely manner. However, depending on the type and length of the materials, the classroom assistant could spend a lot of time transcribing things. One set of materials that was particularly difficult for the assistant to convert was a weekly newspaper subscription. Every week, the class reviewed multiple stories from this source. Unfortunately, because of the graphs, charts, images, fonts, colors, and other design choices made to enhance the visual experience for sighted readers, it made it difficult to easily scan and transcribe. The assistant ended up needing to retype the entire thing and to do it within a short amount of time because once the paper was delivered, the teacher planned to use it almost immediately. The first order of action was to contact the publisher of the newspaper and ask if they had an accessible version of their publication. The thought was simply that we probably weren't the first customers to inquire about this particular problem. Specifically, we asked if they provided a braille version of the publication, and if not, did they provide a digital version of the publication? The company responded that they did indeed produce a braille version of the publication. Hooray! but that, unfortunately, the Braille version of each publication was only available for delivery a few weeks after the paper-based version. Boo. This wouldn't work for our situation because one of the reasons the teacher wanted to use the publication was because it covered current events. When we explained that this wouldn't work for us, we asked for an accessible digital version of the publication that could either be sent to us or we could otherwise acquire upon delivery of the paper-based version. The company let us know how we could obtain a copy of the locked PDF version of the publication. Unfortunately, this too didn't make it easy for us to obtain the actual text. We were unable to easily copy and paste the text out of the PDF for transcription. In essence, the locked PDF was similar to us scanning the paper-based version of the document, and this put us back where we started. I don't mind admitting that I was frustrated with the situation. My first suggestion to the teacher was to consider stop using the publication altogether, and I offered other sources that provided similar digital versions of the same content. Then I was ready to do more. I was ready to launch an entire campaign alerting people of the inaccessibility of this particular publication. And then I realized it wasn't the publisher's fault. This publication, like most publications, is a privately run organization with a customer base that hasn't yet demanded that they produce an immediately accessible version of their product. If I was going to take action, it shouldn't be to mount a boycott against this particular publisher. Instead, my action should be that of educating educators to ask the companies, like this one, about accessibility before making the purchase. I wanted a way to educate administrators and other teachers about buying accessible materials from the start so we wouldn't have to retrofit afterward. What was that old saying from Benjamin Franklin? An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? That's what I was feeling was needed here. I wanted to prevent the problem from happening in the first place, not cure the problem once the symptoms reared their ugly faces. Let's fast forward a few months. 
I'm sitting in a session by Joy Zabala about accessible instructional materials at the Patents Conference in Indiana. Lo and behold, I discovered that there is actually a movement, an entire initiative with an acronym and everything, focused on this specific issue. Joy explained the POM initiative, which stands for Purchase Accessible Learning Materials, P-A-L-M, POM. The idea is simple. Educational institutions should ask questions to the companies about their products, about accessibility, and only purchase materials that are accessible to all the students who might use them. During the session, Joy Zabala reviewed a series of questions educators could ask and provided some resources others could reference to start having these sorts of conversations with publishers before buying instructional materials. Step one is to start asking those questions, and step two is to make purchasing decisions based on those answers. In this way, the content creators might start to shift their thinking so that they consider designing their tool in a universal way. Content creators might start considering accessibility from the onset, from when they start creating their product because they know that their customers not only want it, but demand that the material be made with accessibility in mind. Those resources Joy mentioned, including an ebook market brief, a draft guidance document for those making purchasing decisions, developer slash publisher best practice guidelines, and an entire toolkit you can use to spread the word to other educators about the Palm Initiative can be found at bit.ly slash palm initiative. That's bit.ly slash P-A-L-M initiative. If customers, you know, us, educators, if we all followed this practice, we could make a fundamental shift happen in the instructional materials industry. But until we, the customers, make these demands, there's no incentive for the producers of instructional materials to change. To save educators from running around like crazy, spending massive amounts of time making modifications to learning materials for a few students, consider spending time educating the people responsible for making purchasing decisions about the POM initiative so they can make thoughtful decisions with accessibility and universal design in mind when they're considering a purchase. I suppose it goes without saying, but I've specifically been mentioning instructional materials, but really what we're talking about are tools for assessments as well. If you're listening to this right now, you're someone who can make a change in your school district. You are someone who can get out in front of the problem. You can influence those who are making purchasing decisions. You can help make the shift toward only purchasing accessible instructional materials. I hope you've enjoyed this series of episodes looking at accessible instructional materials. Please share them with other educators to help spread the word about the necessity of asking questions about accessibility before purchasing materials. Until next time, may all your interventions be inclusive, may all your strategies be supportive, and may all your educational materials be accessible to the widest range of students possible.